You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. And gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Um, real quick, real quick. I feel like I do that every episode now where it's like, hey, I know you don't want to talk about this anymore, but I really want to say something, and so I'm going to do it, and I'm going to promise you I'm going to be real quick, even though you and I both know that won't happen. And then I promise you we're going to move on to something else, although I'm only pretty sure we're going to move on to that because I never really know how these things are going to go. But I do want to look at the Detroit Lions. We need to start looking at that team, and if nothing else, just laughing at them, you know? Just just feeling good about stuff for once in in uh, in life. But, um, you know, w- one thing that I generally don't like that sometimes I participate in is when people say, the same people that are dot, 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 dot. You know, the same people that said this are now saying this. How do you know it's the same people? Maybe it's different people. And I think in the case of, for example, NFL Twitter, Packers Twitter, that is the case. You have factions of people, and there's overlap, but there's factions of people that believe different things. And when some things happen, that faction sometimes gets real loud and real whiny and and everything else. But I did notice something. There was somebody that made a comment on on the post that I made. He was not happy. He's obviously a very big, we need wide receivers guy. And I was just curious about something. So I went back through his previous tweets and I was just poking around. I didn't, I didn't use it to throw it in his face or anything. It was just a scientific study. And I come to find out that he is a constant, 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 constant proponent of getting Rodgers more help. Not just this year. I'm talking in the past. Again, I'm not going to pretend that everybody that was a big Devontae's not enough, we need more help guy, is now sitting here saying we need more help. But I do have a hunch that it is a massive proportion. In fact, I would bet there are very few people who wanted to get more help while we had Devontae that, um, that are now saying, nah, never mind. But let me propose something to you. That's exactly where you should be. If you are one of those people screaming, Devontae's not enough, Gutekunst is an idiot, how dare you not go get more wide receivers? If you have any other position aside from, screw it, it's not worth it, we don't need a wide receiver right now, you don't know what you're talking about. Let me just, let me just say something very, 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 very obvious to everybody. If Devontae wasn't enough, Chase Claypool isn't enough. Literally, if we would have gone back and gotten Devontae, things are so bad we end up trading for Devontae, you still wouldn't be happy because Devontae's not enough. Devontae and MVS and Lazard is not enough. If we went back and got Devontae and Lazard, it wouldn't be enough. Even though what you've been screaming for is we need to draft people, which we did, and now it's, no, you, what, what do you think, we can just depend on rookies? I don't know, dude, you're the one that's been screaming about we need to draft someone, we need to draft someone. The bottom line is, it's just this constant moving goalpost thing. And as I said yesterday, it's not about having a consistent standard, it's not about actually making sense or, you know, actually having a firm position. It's simply a matter of, 
I'm going to believe whatever I need to believe in order to be able to argue for whatever I want to argue for. When I come into this, I go from the, from the bottom up, trying to build a cohesive worldview that makes sense in totality. A lot of people start from the top down, right? Hey, it's a trade deadline. That's crazy. Oh, man, what if we got something cool? And you start getting all excited. And, oh, what if? And then when it doesn't happen, you get upset. And what you have to do then is build a what you de- deem to be cohesive worldview from the top down, which is to say, I don't really know if what I believed made sense to begin with. In other words, I come to a conclusion on whether or not we need a wide receiver based on the worldview that I've created foundationally from, again, what kind of makes sense. Rather than starting from the position of this is what I want and then trying to build a worldview around it. That's why, that's why none of this stuff makes sense. That's why you have people end up arguing that Devontae wasn't enough, who are now saying we should have traded for a wide receiver, despite the fact that according to your previous worldview, which clearly was not foundational because you just eviscerated it and created a new one, we needed to go get a wide receiver, and that doesn't make any sense. There is nobody we could have gotten that is anywhere near as good as Devontae Adams. And when we had him, you were complaining. So why do you even want a wide receiver? Let's just forget about all the other nonsense about how it's not going to fix anything else. I'm just curious about your own specific worldview. Devontae Adams wasn't enough for you. The other slightly annoying thing is, and again, I can't necessarily say the same people, but a lot of the um, people who were upset about not getting a wide receiver that were mad at me on Twitter were also advocating for how really, really good MVS was. And also Equinemius apparently was thrown into the mix. If Devontae, we all acknowledge, was really, really good, and the other wide receivers we lost were really good, why were you advocating for more help saying that those guys sucked? Again, it's just, we're just moving the goalpost. We want to make it seem like we lost more than we really did because you want to be right now, and just you can easily abandon what you said before because that was in the past and that doesn't matter anymore. And we'll just keep our fingers crossed that nobody pulls up any receipts or throws anything in my face, and if you do, I'll just block you. So weird to me. But anyways... um, I thought that that was another, if nothing else, it's another way to, to look at things, right? Because I, I think there are probably some people that were in that mindset that maybe just hadn't really thought that through very well. So I want you to think about that. If you're even in the camp of we should have gotten a wide receiver, you should only be in that camp if you thought we were solid with Devontae. Like we were, and, and, and we were, by the way. Clearly, we were solid with Devontae. So if the issue for you is, we had a real good unit, we lost Devontae, and that's causing a lot of these problems, and if we could go get somebody, even though we can't get Devontae, that's, that's better, I think it's enough to spark this offense, which is enough to spark the defense and really give us a... If that's what you think, I don't necessarily agree, but it's not impossible, and I will just... You're allowed to hang out there, because at least that kind of makes sense. It's at least a coherent thought, I guess. But again, anybody, anybody that was advocating for we need more help in addition to Devontae should have 100,000% not been in the we need a wide receiver camp because that doesn't make any sense. And if I can, I want to play one more thing. Every, every time Kyle Brandt is becoming my least favorite human being, I know I posted, the, I think the last thing I posted uh, about Kyle Brandt was kind of positive in terms of I agree with what he said, but we're right back to... Um, we're right back to this guy just doesn't know what he's talking about, and he drives me nuts. I, I just, I can't stand when he talks about the Packers. And he's so, he's very confident. And it's, it's, I mean, this guy is a primo salesman. 
I don't know what he's making here, but he can make a lot more as a salesman. I don't care if he's making $5 million. He can go do medical sales and crush it. He can sell some of Elon Musk's rockets to, to the U.S. government or something. I don't know. He, he, he says things that are so convincing. I'm sitting here going, that must make sense, but I don't think it does. And I don't know. I, I should just let it go because we all kind of acknowledge at this point the national football people, they have no idea what they're talking about, right? I'm sure you've seen the clip of Colin Coward talking about how great this Bears offense is um, and including Armstrong. He kept calling David Montgomery Armstrong. And he, it's not like one time where he made a mistake. See, because here's the thing. I, I make stupid mistakes, right? That's why that thing wasn't that big of a deal, and I'm not going to super bury him for it because I, I do that constantly where I'm making stupid mental errors. It's weird, though, that he consistently said Armstrong, and there's no Armstrong on the entire team. In fact, I don't know of a single Armstrong in the NFL. Probably is one. I can look it up pretty easily. Actually, I do. Terrence Armstrong, right? Nope, I guess I made that up. But there is an Anthony Armstrong, Bruce Armstrong, Calvin Armstrong, Cornell Armstrong, Derek Armstrong, Durant Armstrong, I remember. Uh, Kajan Armstrong, Matt Armstrong, and Ray Ray Armstrong. So there you go. But whatever, it's a, it's a mental lapse. But this is a bigger thing when, when you are saying things so definitively about what always happens and what doesn't happen, and you're just flat out wrong. So... I, I again, I should just be able to move on, but this guy is such a dumb dumb, and the stuff he said—I mean, it's—it's it's just everything is the exact opposite of what he. And, and the first part, I didn't even understand what he meant. Here's what he said at just to start this segment. the The title of the little segment here is, um, "What do you make of the NFC North's moves or lack thereof yesterday?" It's a strange time when the Packers are actually losing to the Bears. You know, like that doesn't happen. And they- so I, I. I I had to check the timestamp. Like, was this from several years ago when we lost to the Bears? Like, when did we lose to the Bears? And I realized he's talking about the trade. We wanted a guy, and the Bears got him. And that's strange, even though that happened with Khalil Mack and uh, it's the wide receiver's name. Pretty, pretty much every single time the Packers and Bears have tried to get somebody, the Bears ended up getting him. And, and by pretty much, I mean literally every single time. So I don't know what you're talking about. They lost to the Bears yesterday. I, I'm very, very amused by Rodgers and the Packers right now. What's the name of that little uh, Adams family girl? Is that Wednesday? Wednesday. Or is it uh, her brother Pugsley? <laughs> I, I, I feel like Rodgers is like the child inside the mansion looking at the other kids playing outside. <laughs> oh, my gosh. The Bears got a wide receiver, and the Vikings got a really good tight end. And normally, he's that kid up in the upstairs in the bedroom looking at, like, the other kids being like, ha-ha, you losers. We're 7-1 and one at the deadline, and I got everything I need. You're- what? What did you just say, Mr. National Football Media Man? Did you just say that Rodgers is normally the guy that has everything he needs. Do you see what I'm saying about, about the psychosis? I, I feel like I'm being gaslit like crazy here. Everybody is acting as though we've always had everything we've, all, we've, we've ever needed. And drafting wide receivers is stupid because you can't rely on, on young drafted wide receivers. And now that we finally don't have a guy, we need to go get a guy. And, and again, Rodgers has always had what he needed. I, I, am, I, am I going crazy? Am I crazy? Because everybody's making me feel crazy. Because I'm pretty sure for the last, I don't know how many years, 
since I've been on social media, Twitter in particular, the only narrative is that Rodgers has Devontae, but Devontae isn't enough. Gutekunst and Ted Thompson never do what they need to do to get him the weapons that he has. And in particular, the number one bane of everybody's existence is that we don't draft wide receivers. We drafted three, and we tried to bring back Devontae, and we did go get a free agent wide receiver. We did every, he checked every freaking box of what everybody's been begging him. And now we're hearing that Rodgers is always the guy that has all the tools and all the toys and saying, ha ha, I'm loaded with talent and that's why we're winning. But now everybody else is, is winning the trades and, and the Packers aren't for the first time. Usually they get all the guys and they just load them up. And now he's not and I'm just not used to this. What, what you, did I fall into another universe? Is this one of those multiverse things where I just, I just ended up in another one? Do you see what I'm saying about creating alternate realities? Since when is any of this happening? This has never happened. The Packers have never won any of these situations. They've never loaded up on stuff. They never drafted wide receivers. They didn't do any of that stuff, and that's what everybody hated. And by the way, Devontae used to not be good enough. Now, apparently, he was good enough. And we were loaded before, and now we're not. And, and usually, we would go get guys, but now we don't when we're not loaded. This is all crazy. This is crazy. You're just scrambling to catch up with me. And I'm also amused by the steadily decreasing subtlety on his weekly <laughs> oh media appearances. So I, there's the translation. I, don't, I, I haven't seen that either. He's, he's starting to do what now? I mean, yeah, he, he's frustrated after a loss when he's asking questions or when he's being asked questions. But again, they're, they're, they're painting these weird... And, and listen, I'm, I'm giving you the answer to the question. As much as it makes me feel like I'm crazy, I've given you the answer. This is happening, very simply, because it doesn't matter what's ever actually been true. We're starting from the foundation of what they should have done and building an alternate reality around that to support what I think they should have done. Rather than, and this is how you know they come to wrong conclusions, because their conclusions are based on nothing. It's just, it's thin air. You should have done it. They made that up out of thin air, and then they build a reality around that. What you should do is look at the reality that exists. Look at what's around us and what's always been. You look at the past, you look at the present, you try to see into the future. You look around the NFL, you try to take all the best information and put that together and come to a conclusion. That's not what they're doing. And I just, I'm stunned that this is what human beings do. But that's very obviously what they're doing. Because they, they have just created an alternate reality. It's freaking scary. And I, it ties in a little bit yesterday to what I was talking about where they're trying to push Matt LaFleur into hating Brian Gutekunst. Why are you doing that? Because it's not about, and, and we know this about the media at large, generally, it's not about trying to extract truth. It's about trying to portray truth. They don't like Brian Gutekunst and his decision, and they want to be able to write that Brian Gutekunst messed up. They don't care what Matt LaFleur actually thinks. They don't care why Brian Gutekunst actually did what he did. They need sound clips to support their opinions that they're going to put out. And so they kept badgering Matt LaFleur to try to get him to say negative things about Brian Gutekunst. And now we're hearing this about Rodgers. Well, you can tell how he's declining over the weeks, implying that it has something to do with what he's talking about. What are they talking about? The Packers aren't getting him weapons. So why is he declining or whatever it is he's trying to say? His demeanor is, is diminishing? Because Gutekunst isn't going out and getting him weapons, and he's getting more and more sad every week. He made that up. This is a, a, a clip from Matt Schneidman here. But let, let, me, let me play the clip for you, just so we're all on the same page. And by the way, 
a, the, one of those guys that was badgering Matt LaFleur to try to get him to say something negative, uh, Aaron Rodgers was just asked a question about this. Just asked a question about, hey, you guys didn't do anything. What's up with that? And he's like, I don't know, man. We tried. It just didn't pan out. And then immediately another question. Along those lines, Aaron, um, what are you thinking yesterday where the Vikings make a move? You're chasing the Vikings. They made a move. The Eagles, who you're chasing, made a move. And again, leading questions, right? It's, it's, he already answered it, but he didn't throw anybody under the bus. So now we got to lead with a little bit. Okay, how about this? What if I say it this way? These teams made a move. This team made a move. They're try- you're trying to catch up to these teams, right? I mean, what do you think about that? When I say it that way now, do you suddenly uh, hate Aaron, uh, hate Brian Gutekunst? And wanna- so Five simple. days earlier. So what are you thinking when all these things are happening and you guys aren't? Well, with all due respect to those teams, we're chasing some other teams right now. You know, we're, we're, uh, we got to get back in the hunt. Uh, those teams are out front right now, so... I'm worried about our guys that we got in the locker room. Obviously, there's more trades. Like I said, in Pat's show, actually, you know, there's more trades uh, in 2022 than there were in 2005. Uh, that's kind of the trend of the league as you're seeing some teams offload guys maybe in last year's of contracts or guys they don't think they're going to bring back. Um, you know, and like I said, I know that we were in on some guys and, and liked a few, but it uh, just didn't work out. So, again, first of all, I'm looking at his demeanor. He doesn't care. And there's a couple reasons for that. Number one, as he addressed very early in his comments, with all due respect to those teams, we're chasing other teams. We need to get back in the hunt. The point is, he's saying, we're not the Eagles. We're not the the Vikings. We're not on that level. We're not in the hunt. He literally said that. I mean, not in in those words, but that's, that's the implication when you say, I have to get back, we have to get back in the hunt. And this is not him suppressing his feelings. Listen, this is a professional football player that, that believes he's very good and believes in the guys that he has in the locker room. If you think these guys are sitting around going, man, we suck. If only we had some stranger come in here and tell us how to play football. Come on, man. Nobody's saying that. And again, Matt, uh, Aaron Rodgers has already said he would like to have other people in. And, and of course, everybody would like to just load up with as much talent as is humanly possible. But we take that to too far of an extreme. Again, the picture of them weeping while Matt LaFleur comes in and, 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 and says something to them. Some kind of a pep talk. I mean, this is craziness. Rogers flat out said, dude, we ain't in the hunt. But, you know, we, we had a couple guys we liked. They wanted too much money, and we didn't do it. Anyways, I'm concerned about the guys we got in the locker room. We got to do what we got to do here to win games. And, and listen, final thought. If this team turns it around and starts winning a bunch of football games and goes on to the playoffs and, and beyond, if that happens, it's 100,000% going to happen internally. It's going to happen with the guys in the locker room. It's always been stupid, the idea, and I don't really even care how close you are, the idea that one guy is going to make a difference. When you look at not just the problems that this team has that one guy isn't going to overcome, but how good this team is when it comes together in its entirety, that, that one guy, again, he may add a little something, but it, it's so minuscule as a percentage. We all should know the reality here. What, what this team needs is to start playing better. And if they do that, they are auto, already automatically a good team. I'm not telling you they're the best team. I don't know where they rank because we haven't seen the 2022 Packers put together four quarters of, of at-our-best play. We have not seen it. Again, maybe Chicago, but I don't think so. Packers scored three points in the second half. 
And again, what did I say about about Packers Bears Sunday night? It's it's it is always always a blowout. Minimum what thirty five points? Minimum. We got twenty seven. Why? Well, we put up twenty four in the first half. We were on pace for a blowout. We completely wet the bed in the second half. Just just didn't do anything. We've never seen four quarters from this team. I'm not sure we've seen three from either the offense or the defense. We get one or two from the offense and the defense, and that's it. Wide receiver doesn't fix that. Safety doesn't fix that. We need these guys to give us four quarters. And if they had done that up to this point, maybe we could have better assessed what this team is and what this team isn't and what this team needs. But we we weren't able to assess that because we have no idea. Because the talent we have is quitting. The problems we have are internal, not external. The solutions to the problems are internal, not external. Anyways, a couple more things I want to go over. Um, Slightly disconnected from what we're talking about, but um, interesting nonetheless. Uh, And then we'll take a break and talk about the Lions. Number one, there is a, uh, a play on Twitter that I think touches on a lot of different things. Um... I shouldn't say a play on Twitter. That doesn't even make sense. A play that happened in the game last week that was highlighted on Twitter by Sam Holman. And uh, Clayton and I have uh, had conversations about the play. And it just, it, again, it just, it seems like it really touches on some of the, the, the pain points for this team. And some of where you can look at it and go, yeah, I don't know what the right thing to do here is. It's going to be hard to illustrate through a podcast. But if you go find Sam Holman's suite, it'll make it a lot easier. But he says, Packers running a pin-pull RPO with DeGuara as the flat route. Rodgers has to know that he needs to get rid of this fast. No reason to wait this long. So essentially, if I can try to illustrate that in layman's terms, there there are two plays here, and you're making a pre-snap read to determine which side you're going to go to. I say pre-snap as I was going through the comments because that makes the most sense because essentially what we're doing is we're pulling a bunch of linemen, and you don't have a lot of time. You need to make a decision now, left or right, and immediately do it. You need to either immediately hand the ball off, or you need to immediately throw the ball to DeGuara. And so you've got pulling linemen, right, that are trying to get out in space and block. And Aaron Jones, I think, I thought it was Dylan, but I've seen people say Aaron Jones, so maybe that's the case. Let me just watch the video, because it does look like Dylan standing there. It's 100% Dylan. Um, And essentially, you can hand it off to him with, with pulling linemen who are getting out in space to try to block, or pull the ball, and throw it to Josiah DeGuara running out in the flat. And, and he made a, a pre-snap read, and he made the right read. The, the re- Well, I shouldn't say that. He made the correct read based on the coverage. And, but this is where things start to break down. Zach Tom gets instantly beat, and so pressure is coming up the middle. That's problem number one. Problem number two, Aaron Rodgers hesitates. He doesn't have a lot of time, I will grant you that. But I was just curious about this because, you know, again, if you, if you do screenshots or freeze frame, that's considered uh, demonic and horrible. But the fact of the matter is, if you look at the point where he should have thrown it, which is the second DeGuara's head starts to turn to the side, and you go from there and say, right now he should have released the ball, I went, I went and looked this up. What, what is Roger's release time? I don't, you know, if you Google it, they'll be like, oh, it's like 2.6 seconds. No, 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 stupid. I'm not talking about from the time of the snap. How long does it take Rodgers to throw a pass? It's about a third of a second. He has it there. And, and, you know, I've been harping on this for a while now. And and again, this is not, I'm not saying this is easy, and I'm not saying this isn't Zach Tom's fault primarily, but other quarterbacks are making these throws and Rodgers isn't. He sees the pressure. He immediately takes his eyes off to Guara, kind of tucks the ball and thinks, oh, shoot, what do I do now? And then he turns as though he's going to try to evade pressure, but he can't go anywhere and he goes down. That's the result of the play. So several things. First thing I want to point out, I've been mentioning several times now, 
that running the ball seems to be the better thing to do. And on occasion, and I'm not even necessarily saying this is it, but but one of the things I've been saying is the defense will give you a look that says you should throw instead of run, whether that's an extra man in the box or whatever. And we need to be more willing to run even when it's not the best look. If he would have handed the ball off, this would have been a positive gain. And once again, a pass fails. Well, if somebody said would have executed, I, I, I get that, but they're not executing. Running the ball seems to be a much better option, if for no other reason than passing has so many fail points, and it continues to fail along those points. The pass blocking, the quarterback in terms of his, his reads, his decisions, his, his timing, his accuracy, the receivers in terms of the running the right routes, uh, getting your head turned around, uh, running at the right angles, which is kind of the same thing as right routes, dropping passes. There's so many pain points and so many points of failure that running generally seems to be the better option. I'm not saying never pass, but this is just an example of that. Well, the, the defense dictated that you should pass here. Yeah, but you suck at that and you're better at running, so I, I'd rather run into an extra guy and take our chances. But let's leave that all aside, just, just as an example of why the coverage, you know, what, what the defense is showing you doesn't necessarily 100%, shouldn't always 100% dictate what you're doing. The other issue is, what do you do if you're a head coach here now? Because if you just execute the plays properly, this works. It's going to work. In fact, there's a real good chance it works for a lot, because I think you've got Romeo Dobbs. Essentially, there, there, and this is the reason why you, you make the read that you make, there's one guy to the outside, and he's covering Romeo Dobbs. And then there's, there's a, I don't know if he, he, is he a safety, maybe? I'm guessing he's supposed to be a linebacker, but he looks like the linebackers are completely sold out on the, on the run here. But there's one guy coming from far away that sees DeGuara and wants to do something about it, which is why this is exactly perfect. If you throw it to DeGuara, that one guy's going to catch him eventually, but it's going to be a big game. It has now been eight weeks of this, of saying, man, if we had just executed, that would have been a good play. Man, if we had just executed, that would have been a good play. Man, if we had just executed, that would have been a good play. So as, as a head coach, what do you do? Do you start to whittle away at your playbook? One of the things we know that is detrimental to this team right now is that they're very predictable. If you shrink the playbook, you become more predictable because there's less things that you do, making it easier for teams to figure out what you're going to do. If a team ran three plays compared to 300 plays, both of those are unrealistic numbers, I'm assuming, but it'd be a lot easier for you to memorize the plays and, and figure out what's coming based on formation, down and distance, and everything else. You could probably figure it out or at least take a shot and be more likely to be right. So you don't want to simplify and shrink your playbook. You don't want to be less dynamic because all the extra options and motions and all these different things make it more likely that we are going to fail. It makes it more likely that the defense is going to fail, but ultimately one of us fails and ruins the entire player. In this case, I would say two people, mostly Zach Tom, a little bit Aaron Rodgers. I understand from Matt LaFleur's standpoint, wanting to just sit there and say, I, I refuse I absolutely freaking refuse to start ripping pages out of my playbook because you dummies can't block for a half a second. I freaking refuse. You will either play up to this standard or we're just never going to be good at football because this is not hard. Tom, I'm asking you to block for literally one second. One second is what I'm asking you to do. And you failed. You barely got a single hand on the guy that's directly across from you. By the way, I'm, I'm completely confused by the, the blocking here. It's as if some of the guys are having to continue this fake. Now, you, you've got your pullers, but then you've also got guys that are kind of running with the offensive line, but, but you have to block for Roger. It's almost as if they, they believe that if we motion with the rest of the offensive line, 
the defensive lineman usually will try to run with you, right? They don't want to get reached. So if he runs to his right, the defensive lineman is going to run with me. In this case, he didn't. You go to the right, I'm just going to run straight ahead and get Rodgers. How about this? How about we don't worry about trying to trick the guy in front of you? You just freaking stand in front of him. Just stand in front of him. Well, what if he hands it off? We got to get to the next level. Forget the next level. You think you're going to catch somebody from where you're at? You're catching nobody. Forget trying to be deceptive. Stand there and block your dude. In either case, whether we hand it off or throw it, we need one second from you, man. One second. You don't need to shift down the sideline. You don't need to move. You don't need to be on the run. Block the dude in front of you. That's it. Don't try to get cute. Stupid. But, but, but that is my question. What would you do in that situation? Do you start to shrink and, and simplify and, and, and make things easier for your team? Or do you stand there and say, absolutely not. You need to rise to the occasion. Personally, I, I don't see any reason why you wouldn't demand the team just do better. Because all you're essentially doing is trying to get us an ex- to execute a less good offense. We're never going to compete with that anyways. Now, maybe you can kind of shrink it and then slowly build on it. Possibly. But I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm watching it and it's just like, well, this is why we shouldn't run it. And it's like, dude, I mean, I guess, you know, it's like I've been saying, well, if they would just execute, it would work. Yeah, but they're not executing. But man, is it frustrating to have to, to, to concede and say, okay, fine, it doesn't work, let's get rid of it. Just freaking block, dude. And Rodgers, again with the panicking stuff. Like, I, I get it, man. At your age, you don't want to get hit. I understand that. Like, it hurts. I can't imagine how bad it hurts. And your body doesn't recover as well. you got to protect yourself. But I, I am beyond tired of watching every single quarterback we go up against complete that pass, and the only guy that doesn't is you. You are the only guy I've watched this entire season who will not stand there and deliver that pass. So for me personally, I would rather we just stand firm and say, this is the offense, and, and this is what we run. And you are expected, as professional football players, to know how to do this stuff and to be able to execute this stuff. I am not going to dumb this down to your level. Again, I'm going to expect you to be at the level of a professional football player. This is not peewee football. I will not dumb this down for you. Learn it, or we can find somebody who will. That kind of falls flat on its face after the trade deadline, but you can, you can extend that out beyond this year. Honestly, that's not a, a terrible message. This, this is an embarrassment, and we will not simplify this. This season is not going well, and if we don't turn it around quickly, the season will end early December, or, or January, I mean. And that will be the end of our season, and at which point we will have to make serious decisions and make sure we can find people that, that can execute this. Those are the people that will be here next year. So I, would, I suggest you learn it quickly, because we're going to be running these plays. We're going to be digging into the back of the playbook, and we're running those plays. And you better understand it backwards, forwards, and sideways. I'm not dumbing this down for you. Are you out of your mind? That's, that's my thought. I don't know. You can do whatever you want with your team in fantasy land. Tell you what, we'll, we'll do the, the final thing, which doesn't really even pertain to the pack. Well, it kind of does, but I, I, I found it interesting, and we'll play it on the other side of the break. But if you like the work that I'm doing here, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy is where you can support me directly. If you're looking to put a couple bucks toward a good cause, please be willing to check out Fertile Ground Ranch uh, Discipleship Ministry. You can find them over at fertilegroundranch.org. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. 
Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So many of you have heard this, but I just want to get it out there. Um, just for the sake of making sure we're all on the same page. We constantly hear about the Packers being in on everybody, right? Packers are always calling, Packers are doing this, Packers are doing that. But the thing is, when we hear from insiders generally that so-and-so is making calls about this player or that player, we don't ever really know what that means. We always take it to the extreme in terms of, oh man, it's about to go down or whatever. Um, But here's a little bit of an insight into how that um how a lot of that actually comes to be and why it's mostly nonsense i know it started with mccaffrey uh yes that was the last draft i would this is the uh, bill's general manager just talking generally about stuff I was there in carolina know him well you know when you hear he's on the block um i wouldn't be doing my due diligence to not look into that um, the process of how we look into things from a scouting standpoint is our scouts are, they have teams they're responsible for, and they're tracking everything. And when you hear buzzes out there on Twitter, on, uh, in the media, whatever, that a player may be available, that's their job to turn on the film, evaluate them, and then look into them. And there are times when things get put out there that the Buffalo Bills are after this player. Sometimes I'm not even aware, and I say that in the sense that a scout may have, you know, we may have a scout and he's in charge of the Denver Broncos and he may call his contact at that team and say, hey, we, is, you know, is this guy even available? Should I even mention him? Should I not? Sometimes you never even hear back whether the guy's available or not. And then you, you read two days later that we went after him. And so I say that just to help us all how the process works. You know, the, the Al, that leads me to Alvin Kamara. You know, that was the scouts looking into, you know, they put something out, you know, maybe Philly was in it or someone, I can't remember the team, and checked into it, never actually got an answer whether he was available or not. And then Sunday it's reported on one of the shows that we were rebuffed. Well, I never spoke to their GM about, you know, that's just how the process works. So I want, you know, for all of us, that's how we work internally. Um, I know you guys have a job to do, but sometimes when you hear we're involved. Now, again, I did on Christian McCaffrey, I did speak to the Panthers GM, never made him an offer, but did stay in touch through the process. And ultimately, uh, it was going to be more than we were going to be able to do. So these NFL insiders, they have sources inside of these teams and whatnot. And um, they're, they're very vague. And I think that serves a couple purposes. Number one, they're vague because the more specific you are, the more you're giving up who your sources are. 
And if you want to protect them from leaking information to you, you better not, you know, mention who they are. But I think the biggest thing is by being vague, it um, kind of gives them more credibility. And, and, and by the way, it's entirely possible that this insider, let's just say Ian Rappaport, has no idea the details. He may talk to his guy and say, in this particular example, hey, Buffalo called us on um, Kamara, but we weren't interested. And he will interpret that as, they called, we had a conversation, and we said, no, sorry, we're not trading him, and then wrote out that they were rebuffed. When in reality, what happened? Buffalo called, and we didn't even call them back because we weren't interested, which kind of is the same thing, but but not really. Because again, Buffalo's sitting there surprised, like, what are you talking about? We never even, and we weren't even interested in Alvin Kamara. So rebuffed is, is to say, we tried to get him, and, and the Saints said no. No, we were calling to get information, and they never called back. And that, that also serves in terms of if, if, again, they are being purposefully vague. If they did know the information and told it as it was, it wouldn't be a salacious story. Buffalo called and left a message about Kamara. Oh, yeah? Did they, are they interested? I don't know. We didn't call them back. Oh, who called you? I don't know, some scout. Wasn't the GM? No. So you don't know if they're interested? No, I don't. Okay, this is useless information, but I appreciate you letting me know. And again, this is, I think this is a lot of what's going on. Now, granted, once in a while, it's going to be reported that so-and-so is interested and a deal gets done. Why? Well, let's just say they did really want Alvin Kamara. What are they going to do? They're going to call. And in this case, the Saints are going to answer. And that same information is going to be relayed to Ian Rappaport. And then it's going to, you know, the information is going to get back to the Buffalo Bills, whatever it is they want to know. They're going to turn on the tape. They're going to see if they actually are interested in him and really still want the guy. Then they're going to call back. They're going to work out some kind of a deal. They're going to see, hey, this is what we're interested in, bah, 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 and then the deal gets done. So I guess another way to say this is most deals that get done at some point along that process are going to get leaked to the media. That isn't to say most things that are leaked to the media are any bit relevant whatsoever. So think about how many times we've heard the Packers are interested in this person, interested in this person, in on conversations about this person, this person. How many of those are really just the Packers calling to see, hey, are they actually available? And really never had, and Brian Gutekunst never had any interest, never had any, because again, and I'm, I'm not saying the Packers are wired the exact same way the Buffalo Bills are, but I'm guessing this is a general structure because of course we have pro personnel and those pro personnel's job is to scout players that are already within the NFL. And so the, those guys, however big the team is, if there's, you know, four, you divvy the 32 teams up among the four. So each each person has eight teams that they're responsible for, knowing the players intimately and all that stuff. And so if you, your job is, if you hear buzz about a player, you pick up the phone, you call and you say, hey, what's going on, man? Let me know. Because I'm sure he has to put together a report and bring that back to Brian Gutekunst and say, hey, so I, I got word about these three players that are on the block. Uh, this team didn't pick up the phone. This team picked up the phone and said he's not in, they're not trading him. This team picked up the phone and said they're willing to listen. So what do you think we should do? That's as far as they've gotten, but yet, Rappaport and all these other guys have gotten word that the Packers are calling out, calling around about wide receivers. No, man, they're doing their due diligence. And, and we, we've kind of known that, and I've been saying that for a while. They, they, they're in on all the conversations because they're doing their due diligence. That's been kind of known, but just kind of getting more detail on how exactly... It's not even Brian Gutekunst necessarily picking up the phone. He's not even aware of these conversations. So you're hearing... The Packers are interested in such and such a wide receiver. Now, I'm not talking about Chase Claypool because the word on that is that we offered a second-round pick. So that is, that is now getting to that next level. They did call the Steelers. They did find out Chase was available. 
they did kind of go back, review the film, say, hey, you know what, this guy probably could help our team. And again, you get a guy on a rookie contract because even if even if they can't help the team this year, he's a future asset. And so going forward, you have you know Chase and Dobbs and 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 uh, Toure and Watson as your core, presuming you know Lazard and and Cobb and Watkins are not going to be around. So, anyways, just something to think about before we kind of jump up and down about all oh, their you know. It also makes it seem like we're we're bigger losers than we probably are in terms of, man, we call about 17 different wide receivers. We didn't get one of them. Well, Brian Gutekunst might have actually been targeting one or two of those 17 total and is competing with five, six, seven different teams. Anyways, I think it's time to move on a little bit to the Lions. We'll, we'll dabble a bit. Um, I want to start off with the Packers, Matt LaFleur head coach press conference thing that happened. Questions were asked about uh, the Detroit Lions, obviously, as we shift focus over to to them. And I, I think a couple interesting things that were mentioned. Again, I'll, I'll play the clip if it seems necessary, but most of the time it doesn't. One of the things that was funny, the first question that was asked was, you know, you're preparing for the Detroit Lions. They lost TJ Hawkinson. Like, what do, what do you do about that or whatever? And he says, that's a good question. I think you focus on their scheme. It's kind of intuitive, and maybe most people are saying, duh, at this point, but I usually, when I'm looking at other teams, I'm looking at players. And what Matt's saying is we usually look at scheme. Now, you, you, you got to, to some degree, look at the quality of the players, I guess. If, you know, if there's a weakness on the offensive line or whatever that you can exploit. If there's a wide receiver that's really, really dominant, we got to figure out special ways to take away from that. But first and foremost, the, the place that we start is what is the scheme? What is it that they're trying to accomplish? All those kinds of things. And that'll somewhat, to some degree, dictate how we do our ski, and then we can build from there. So I thought that was a pretty cool insight. Also, um, kind of talked about how the, the, the Lions are dead last on offense and everything. And uh, Matt LaFleur essentially said, I don't care how bad they are. We can't score as an offense. And if we don't figure out how to score, you know, that, that, that is the priority. Which is funny because as he says that, I'm thinking this, this is kind of exactly what I'm, I'm guessing most Packer fans are thinking. On one hand, hey, good, they have a really bad defense. On the other hand, a lot of our offensive failures are shooting ourselves in the foot. You don't need a really good defense if we can't catch the ball, if we just let guys come completely free on a block, if we're missing passes. I mean, the, the, the quality of the defense doesn't mean anything in those situations. So it really doesn't matter how good the defense is. We have to get it cleaned up. Um, asked about Samori Ture and, and his touchdown and the confidence and all that stuff. He, he pretty much blasted him, if I'm being honest, and all the rookies um, saying, you know, all anybody cares about is production, right? He got a touchdown while cool, and yeah, good for him. He, he had good instincts on that to, to go off script and, and double back the other direction to get, op- you know, get in the open area. But it's it's the little details with he says with all these guys, and I'm assuming he's referring to all the rookie wide receivers, Dobbs, Watson, Samori, and and remember he was one of four. It was it was a big pass for a touchdown, but that means that three of them didn't exactly go well. I don't know. I didn't go back and look at him to see is it Rogers' fault, is it Torrey's fault, whatever. But um, Matt Lafleur was not in the mood to offer compliments to the wide receivers. That's for sure. Uh, but but a question was asked about Christian Watson. It, it's it's a little vague. But it is still nice to hear, and, and I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's my gut or if it's just me being a biased fan or exactly what it is, but I, I cannot get off the Christian Watson thing. For so many reasons, it just it, it just makes sense, and I wish the guy could just be healthy. And, I you know, last week, apparently, 
I believe it was Rodgers that said it. Maybe it's in this press conference. I can't exactly remember. But one of the two had mentioned very recently that um, a lot of the game plan last week against Buffalo dealt with Christian Watson. They were going to get him involved a ton. I'm not talking wide receiver one most targets or whatever, but they're really trying very, very hard to get him involved early and often, and we saw that, and he obviously uh, got hit really hard in the head, got a concussion and everything. But anyways, here here is what Matt LaFleur had to say about Christian Watson in terms of specifically how much can you put on the guy's plate because he hasn't actually played very much. Well, he hasn't played a whole lot of ball for us. So, I mean, that's kind of tough to answer in terms of um, how much can you give him. I think you can give him everything. I think he's a super intelligent kid that works hard and he does it in practice. So that gives us confidence that he's going to be able to do it in the game. We just got to get him through, uh, you know, a game. He's kind of gotten snake bit a little bit, but uh, he's working hard. And, you know, we'll see where he comes out of, you know, the protocol. So, again, and I'm probably just trying to read in between stuff too much, but he's he just went, you know, from two questions ago saying that these guys are really struggling with the details and it's and it's not okay. He was asked specifically about Christian Watson and his ability to handle stuff and not really understanding the details. And Matt LaFleur flat out was like, oh, he can do everything. And and we haven't really, you know, he's doing everything right in practice. And we just we have to see if he can do it in in a game. In other words, it's as if he's saying, I haven't really seen him make any mistakes yet because he hasn't had a lot of opportunities. So can we narrow it down more to Ture and Dobbs? I mean, are you just talking about Ture? I mean, I guess there could be other people, maybe Amari Rogers. I'm just trying to figure out what we're talking about. And it's hard to imagine that it's Dobbs so much. First of all, it's hard to imagine that it's Ture because we've been talking about this before Ture even took the field. It's hard to imagine it's Dobbs because Rogers is force-feeding Dobbs. Doesn't necessarily mean he's not making mistakes, but it's just, it's such a weird thing because we keep hearing about it, but when you try to hone in on it, it nothing really makes sense. And same with Amari. Like, he, he really wasn't playing very much until recently, and he's making plays when he's on the field. But they're, they keep, between, by they, I mean Rodgers and Lafleur referring to the young guys' mental errors. And I'm just, I don't know, maybe, maybe they're just doing a very good job of being evasive on that. He was asked to further elaborate and say, you know, if, if you were forced to put him in as a starting wide receiver, could he do everything that you ask of him? And, and Matt LaFleur said, yes, I believe so. He has a very good grasp of what it is that we do here. Again, very weird to go from, you know, yeah, nice touchdown, but we got to work on the details because these young guys, freaking bunch of dummies, to Christian Watson is, is really smart, understands all the finer points of what it is we're trying. Like, <laughs> so we're not talking about Watson. Okay. He even even ended the the point by saying, in terms of Christian Watson, how impressed he is that he's been able to grasp it considering how little time that he's had on the field. Which, again, is one of the bigger things for me is I, I he has a real steep hill to climb, not only being a rookie, but coming from a smaller school like he did to be able to get acclimated to the NFL. But he is apparently extremely intelligent as far as like Wonderlick and things like that go. Like very, very, very intelligent which gave me hope that he was going to be able to do things like, you know, grasping the offense quicker. But anyways, as far as practice went, Christian Watson did return to practice. Um, Elton Jenkins and Alan Lazard also practiced. Jenkins with a foot injury, Lazard with a shoulder injury. Bakhtiari, Devondre Campbell, Shamar, Gene Charles, and Mercedes Lewis all did not practice. I'm assuming Mercedes is just a, uh, you know, veteran day. 
But all right, let's let's shift our focus here and take a quick look at the Detroit Lions and see what they've got going on lately. The Detroit Lions started off with a bang, right? Everybody was real excited. They did hard knocks. I didn't watch it, so I didn't get super hyped. But, you know, everybody's saying, hey, they got that coach and they fight for their coach and everything else. And the problem is they don't have talent. So they're the opposite of the Packers. The Packers have talent and no passion, fire, drive. The Lions have all that. They just don't have any talent. But um, started off the season against the Philadelphia Eagles, 35-38 loss. So again, it's like, dang, man, they scored 35 points. That's pretty legit. Then they beat the Washington Commanders. We didn't realize how bad they were going to be. But again, putting up 36 points, go on to be the number one offense in all of football, 36-27 to victory. Then they play Minnesota, um, and they lose to Minnesota, 24-28. to And again, it's kind of like, well, 24 points ain't that bad, but, you know, 28, whatever, I don't know. Then they play Seattle, again, score 45 points, but give give up 48. So the first game, great offense, terrible defense. Second game, great offense, so-so defense. Second game, mediocre offense, mediocre defense. Third game, great offense, terrible defense. And then against the Patriots, they score zero points. We're talking number one offense in football, scored zero points against the New England Patriots, and they allowed 29. Then they go into a bye. They come out of their bye, they score six points. So in the last two games, the number one offense in football, at least it used to be, scored six points. They they gave up 24 to the Dallas Cowboys. Then this past week, they play the Miami Dolphins. They get back up to 27, but allow 31. So the defense is very up and down. 38, I mean, first of all, they've never been good. 24 points is the best that they've done, and that was against the Dallas Cowboys. But they give up 38, 27, 28, 48, 29, 24, 31. Offense is sometimes real good, sometimes mediocre, and sometimes straight trash. And the straight trash has happened two out of the last three weeks. And they haven't had a really good game since week four against the Seattle Seahawks. But offensive scoring, 35, 36, 24, 45, then 0, 6, 27. So if you look at it in its totality... They have the ninth-ranked offense and the 32nd-ranked defense. That doesn't really tell us much. Maybe the defense does, because that's been relatively consistent. Offense has been really high and really low. What if we look at the last three weeks where there seems to have been a pretty dramatic shift in the team? Over the last three weeks, the number 32-ranked defense for the year is actually the number 32-ranked offense. They're scoring, on average, 11 points per game. Now, interestingly enough, when we played Washington, I said the exact same thing. This is the worst offense in all of football based on what they've done you know recently we lost that game defensively they rank 32nd on average giving up 28 points over the course of the four weeks three games they are losing by 17 points on average and again the defense has been pretty consistent throughout the season so their 32nd rank holds up The difference is, over the last several weeks, their offense has plummeted to dead last. This is why they're now talking in Detroit about this much-respected, much-appreciated coach possibly getting fired by the end of the season or sooner. I've talked a lot about it doesn't get much easier than this. Uh, Washington, you know, if there's any team you can't lose to, it's that team. I don't know, man. I mean, we mentioned uh, Houston, right? Well, Houston's probably worse than Detroit, right? Their defense in this time span, recently, four weeks, 
ranks 10th. Offense ranks, uh, what, 29th? So clearly better than Detroit. Pittsburgh. I mean, look, you can't get worse than 32nd and 32nd. It's the worst team in football. This is it, man. This is, this is the bottom of the barrel. And on average, teams are beating them by 17 points. What are we looking for in this game? Are we looking for just a moral victory? Hey, just win by one and that's good enough? Maybe. But what does that ultimately accomplish? Because I know a lot of people get, get mad at me when I say stuff like this. A win is a win is a win. That's not true. A win is a win insofar as the, the record sheet goes. But what what does it do for you? Because we talk, I mean, the, the players talk about it. Rogers talks about it. Lafleur talks about it. The fans talk about it. It, it. It's it's about how does this help you carry on into next week? Do you think if you beat Detroit by one point in a very close game that you walk out of there with swagger, walk out of there like bragging, like yeah, man, we got that W, we're taking over, we're coming back. Do you think Rodgers is going to go on the Pat McAfee show saying we're right back in the hunt? Of course he's not, because that would be absurd. So it's not true that a win is a win is a win. The first step, you know, when my son and I watch football, we've got this weird thing that we started this year because the offense is so terrible. First step, get a yard. Second step, get a first down. Third step, get to midfield. Fourth step, get in scoring range. Fifth step, score. We kind of amend it because we forget some steps. I'm kind of half making that up, but but that's kind of what we do, right? There's tiers, and you just start with baby steps. Baby step number one is don't freaking lose to the Detroit Lions, okay? That's step number one. But I'm not going to pretend, just like I wouldn't pretend getting a first down is the same as scoring a touchdown, I'm not going to pretend getting a one-point win is the same as getting a 20-point win. Because it's not. First step, play like you care. Second step, win. Third step, win big. Fourth step, you know, use that moving forward. That gets cut. Those steps get cut off real early. If you have no energy, you play like crap and you barely win. Slash if you lose, right? But, you know, if you barely win. You don't get those other steps. You don't get those other things. You don't get to talk about the, the, the momentum. What freaking momentum? Well, they're an NFL football team too, and they get paid to win. Oh, stop it. Just stop it. You got to stop it. We, we, this team needs something to demonstrate that we are not a bottom-of-the-barrel team. And beating the worst team in football by one point would kind of, if you were doing a power ranking, put the Packers somewhere around, oh, I don't know, 31st? That's trash, dude. I mean, that's what they do in college football, right? Could you imagine if in college football if, if uh, they, when they're doing the power rankings, all they said is, hey, a win is a win. Yeah, but this team beat the number two team by 60 points. This team beat the number, you know, the number one team by one point. Yeah, but this team beat the number one team. That team beat the number two team. So that's, that's all that matters. No, no, no. There's a, there's a big difference here. I'm not discounting beating the number one team by a point. That's great. You beat the number two team by 60 points? That's a big deal, dude. I would venture to say that's a bigger deal than beating the number one team by one point. It wouldn't if a win is a win is a win and points don't actually matter and how you perform in a game doesn't mean anything. All that matters is a win. 
But the reality is it does matter. And so we're, we're going to go through the baby steps. First step, please act like you care. Second step, don't get freaking embarrassed and lose this game, i.e. win the game. So I won't even say it's got to be 17 points, which is at this point just dead average. But can we get a, can we get a double-digit win? Can we get 10? Can we call it two scores, you know, nine? Be nice. We'll look a little bit deeper into what the, the Detroit Lions are all about and all the fun stuff uh, tomorrow, but wanted to kind of just leave you with that. It does not get worse than this. It doesn't. And I hate the fact that the last time I said something similar to this, we lost the game. But we'll see how she goes. You guys have yourselves a fantastic day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.